High School Slumber Party AP is a Cage Club Podcast Network production. For all things Cage Club and High School Slumber Party, head over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome slumbers who take their studies a little more seriously. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Aislinn Addington. And this is High School Slumber Party AP, a study session in contemporary teen films. I'm so excited that we're back here. And uh, slumbers, your assignment today was to watch 2020s, never, rarely, sometimes, always. But before we chat about that, we of course have some homework to discuss. Yes, absolutely. Please hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to us in the car while vacuuming and thinking of places <laughs> i listen to podcasts walking the dog google podcast apple podcast spotify and stitcher we're we're all those places yep and of course we're at cageclub.me the flagship and uh class participation as well it's a huge part of your grade so follow high school slumber party on facebook instagram and twitter and Iceland, before we get into never rarely sometimes always i had an assignment for you to do. But before that, The Map of Tiny Perfect Things, our debut episode. I, I mean, it was a blast editing. It was fun listening back to it. Did Did you have any feedback from it? Did you hear? Did anyone listen on your end? <laughs> I did have feedback. Yeah, thanks for asking. I am, you know, a sort of on and off Twitter. I don't, um, I don't, feel like I understand it very well um, <laughs> because of my, you know, age as an old millennial, but I'm doing my best. And I, yeah, absolutely. I heard from a couple of screen names that I didn't previously recognize. Oh, so cool. yes, yeah, so new folks that uh, enjoyed the episode. So, you know, new friends and then a couple of um, folks that I know that have listened to contenders um, listened to it and immediately texted and said they enjoyed the episode. Um, they were glad to be pointed toward the movie. They wanted to listen to more Slump Party episodes. And and then I had a couple of folks that wanted to um, remind me that they are available for guest appearances. Ooh, so we, we like see that. Some of these some of these friends coming to visit us here in the AAP study room. Ooh, I love hearing that. I can't wait to have guests. <laughs> the feedback I got was from the godfather of the Cage Club Podcast Network, Joey Lewandowski. Oh, Joey. Who said that we were a little too generous with our grade, actually. He, he gave it a B minus. I was like, come on, Joey. We had a good time. <laughs> I mean, all right, Letterboxd. That's cool. I, <laughs> I'm not worried about liking too many things in this world. Uh, so much annoys me that... I think you can take my grades as as very, you know, generous in that I want to spread joy and happiness. And so if that means getting an A when a B would be fine, what's the problem there? 
It's all a construct. <laughs> well, I told him, and, you know, he's obviously speaking in jest. He wasn't like, you guys overrated the Fuck. film or anything like that. But what I told him was like, especially on, on High School Slumber Party in general, I basically grade how I feel. I'm one of those teachers, totally. I guess. It's not like I could have a completely different guest and we could have a different conversation and that's going to change my grade. I could watch a movie 10 times and I don't know if I'm going to have 10 different grades, but you know, sure. it might vary. So it doesn't matter. We're just having fun. And, and again, that episode was a blast. It got me excited to do, uh, you know, so many more of these. Now, I don't know if today's is going to have the same tone, you know, yeah, I'd I be mean, surprised. Probably, but... probably not. Yeah. But I'm, I'm with you in the moment. It's so much fun to talk about the movies and kind of think back to teenage years or think about teenagers currently. And, and all that is kind of um, has some warm fuzzies in it. This is a much heavier film. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's an understatement. So uh, yeah, I think, I think the tone could be absolutely different. And I think that's, what's great about the selection of movies you have for us that so far uh, they've, been different but really had strengths in in such a variety of ways that i'm, I'm just really makes me look forward to um digging in more and hearing from other folks what their thoughts are as well for sure for sure and even before we get into the film though every episode island I, yes. I assign you another teen movie, a contemporary teen movie that we already covered on High School Slumber Party. So I have to ask, did you do your homework and watch The Prom? I am a compulsive homework doer. I don't <laughs> understand uh, people who don't do homework. And as a huge nerd my entire life in school and then being on the other side as a, a professor and an educator... Like, the getting by without doing the homework shtick does not impress me. Like, do you want a trophy or a cookie? So, long answer to a simple question. Yes, I did. I had heard some things on a couple of, not movie-themed podcasts, but um, I, I have a number of LGBT and other topics of uh, podcasts that I like to listen to. Mm -hmm. And so there was certainly some conversation thinking about the, I said, I want to say James Cameron and that's not who it is. James no, Corden. James Corden. Yes. <laughs> James Corden casting um, as well as this trend of taking something that has Broadway roots and then filling it with movie stars when we know there are so many really talented folks from the stage that, mm -hmm. Likely, you know, so there's there was some discussion that made me think I might have a qualm or two. So I purposefully watched it while doing other things. Ah. And that was perfection because I love a I love a musical number and I love seeing, you know, people that are so talented and giving it their all. Um, you know, I'll watch Andrew Rannells sing anything. So I paid attention to the songs and sort of crafted my way through the plot. For sure. And like you're hitting all the points that I think we even discussed <laughs> on our episode with uh, yeah. my, my, my guest, Jenny O'Connell. I mean, the conversation was dominated by just her absolute detesting of the casting of James Corden in that role, yeah. which, uh, which again, I totally get and I totally understood. Um, but... The music was fun and great. A little zazz it was in there. Fun, great uh, voices. 
And you're right. We, Great we, overacting. We, <laughs> Andrew Reynolds was our MVP. He's, he's oh, amazing. Okay. okay. But, you know, and you hit at the other point, too, with that it was a big criticism of ours. The fact that they took this, like, little cute Broadway play. Because it wasn't a mainstream Broadway play. It was, like, an off-Broadway thing that these artists yeah. created as, like, hey, let's put all these movie stars in it. And I love those movie stars. most Not James Corden, sure. but the rest of them. I love them, but... I, even Michael Key delights me. Oh, he's am- he was amazing in it, too. In... I'm so excited anytime I see him pop up, right? By the way, he's in like a bunch of these films. Uh, oh, is he? Oh, great. I'm excited. For, I guess Netflix has him on a deal because he's in at least two or three. Oh, because he was in College Friends as well. Yeah. And, Friends and they, from College. Friends from College, yeah. And they canceled it. So I'm, maybe they're like, I don't know. He's great. So more more power to him. But yeah, I mean, I think we're hitting the same consensus with that film. Mm-hmm. The flip side for me is that... As a kid who felt a little misfitty and maybe had some misfitty friends, etc., that this is, you know, landed on Netflix during an, a pretty tough holiday season of a really difficult year mm-hmm. and, and has some, you know, certainly some redeeming themes and qualities. I think for, for the 15-year-old version of me, I would have been glad to have had it on Netflix and been able to watch it, you know, as many times as I wanted and probably crafting through it as well at that point. So <laughs> I, I was certainly kind of trying to weigh the different things while listening to the, to the awesome prom jams. <laughs> and that's, that's why uh, this year, not just on this show, well, I, honestly, it started as a question for this show and then I've just brought it to all my other episodes, but asking that question, who was this movie made for? Because it helps me think about those things too. And maybe the problem was not made for cynical podcasting over analyzers, you know? So who knows? That could be the case. You <laughs> might have not been their number one demo, but, um, but yeah, thank you for the homework assignment. I'm glad that I have seen it. And occasionally, uh, the, the, like when they finally get to like the prom and, and some of the musical themes have been in it before, but like that, that gets stuck in my head all the time. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, in terms of your point of doing homework, I'm not surprised you wouldn't be the, the leader of High School Slumber Party AP, if you weren't such a homework doer. Happy you did it, but again, not surprised. So thanks for watching The Prom, and I can't wait to assign you another one that we've already covered. Absolutely. I look forward to it. But alas, we have to get to our homework for this week. And again, I'm sure you saw the movie. I saw the movie. And hopefully um, you slumbers out there watched the movie. Maybe we need a different name for our AP listeners. I don't know. We'll think on that. (laughs) But yeah, the movie was... Never, rarely, sometimes, always, and like most movies today, you can stream it. And this one is streaming on HBO Max. So, Aislinn, why don't you read the uh, what the HBO Max bio was? Happy to. Never, rarely, sometimes, always, uh, is about a pregnant 17-year-old from a small Pennsylvania town travels to New York City with her cousin, intending to have an abortion in this quietly devastating gem. And that phrase uh, is in quotes from Variety. Quietly devastating gem. Yeah. <laughs> right on the money. Um, the rest of the blurb is just the cast. So starring Sidney Flanagan, Talia Ryder, Theodore Pellerin, with Ryan Ingold and Sharon Van Eaton, 
written and directed by Eliza Hittman. You know, and we're going to get into cast and just the crew here, because as we mentioned even in the last episode, this is such a woman-dominated film. Women produced, women written, cinematography, down the line. The only, like, uh, guy I saw was the editor, honestly, in the credits. This is kind of interesting (laughs) in... In a male-dominated field of film, there are so many women editors. Yeah, right? That is interesting. And so it's a little, um, we'll take a flip-flop for parody. Sure. It's no problem. (laughs) Had you heard of this movie before I brought it up? I had not, and I'm honestly pretty embarrassed about that, in that I watch out for movies like this. This is definitely not only... um, includes many topics that are of interest to me, but also as you're talking about the behind the scenes stuff, it it could have easily been a, a movie that we did on the contenders as well. I'm so glad that you uh, pointed it out as much as I was absolutely quietly devastated. I'm, I'm so glad and, um, you know, have lots to say, which we'll get into. And I certainly, it's something that I, I think other people should check out for sure you need to be devastated (laughs) this is where to go (laughs) (laughs) oh man Uh, this is a movie that and this is again going to be a recurring theme of this podcast i'm sure but this is a movie i watched in the now famous end of 2020 brian rodriguez watches every teen film from the year 2020 long weekend now did you know how intense this was going to be before you watched it i knew zero i knew zero about most of these films literally i'm just watching ah fun disney movie this is next on my list this is next on my list i'm like oh oh so i was going in blind to 90 percent of these films and to be fair i couldn't look i i'm working from home I, i have a life maybe not a big one but i have a life and I couldn't really watch 30-something movies, sit down, take notes. So I, I was watching a lot of them in the background. and of course. It was just, just to get a nice little preview. And I remember this was a... The, this might have been the first or second film I saw of the day, believe it or not. I think it was the first. And, you know, I'm just doing my work, and it was just drawing me in. Drawing mm-hmm. me in. I mean, as much as I loved the films I saw of 2020, this was one of, like, two or three that I had to stop working and doing what I was doing just to watch from from front to back. And yeah, I really wanted to talk about it. It's one of the movies that again, made me decide to do High School Slumber Party AP. And yeah, I mean, here we are with it. Initial thoughts before maybe we get into production? Yes, I'm thematically jarred a little bit because now the high, the prom stuff is in my head. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to get myself back to where I was earlier, where I when I finished, I finished this movie today. And I had to take an extra walk around the block afterwards. I needed light and sun and to sort of remember that, unfortunately, so much of what happens in this movie is commonplace. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, today, still now, this is not a historical piece. I would argue that probably, you know, teenage women in the U.S., while they don't all have this story, I think everyone could identify with something, mm. some aspect of what's going on. And that's really, really tough. And so it's 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 so little and so personal of a story, but I also found it profoundly universal. Yeah. So that's that's kind of where my initial thoughts lead me. How how about you? And so sorry, you had watched this what in your giant marathon almost a year ago. No, I mean it was December. Months ago? December, okay. so okay. yeah. 
Um, a couple months ago. Did it hit you differently this time? Or maybe how did it hit you differently this time? Um, yes, it hit me differently, but not that differently. It only hit me differently because I knew what was happening. So it was more like, oh God, here it comes, rather than, holy right. shit, if that makes sense. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's some, it's something that, though, I was so excited to watch now, like taking notes with an analytical lens, rather than just kind of in the background. So, I mean, that's, you know, the basic difference. But again, I wasn't as sad this time. And the only reason was that I was so excited to talk about it with you and share this movie. Iceland, you're not you're not insane for th- for not hearing about this movie. I feel yeah. like almost no one has heard about this movie, and that's part of the reason again that that I wanted to start and that we're doing High School Slumber yeah, Party AP absolutely. because so many of these great artists did so many great things in the last couple of years, specifically 2020 during the pandemic, that not a lot of people are watching this movie in the theater. It didn't even get uh, like six figures, I believe, in the theater. I saw that as well. And it was right a little bit on the edge, right? Do we put it out? Do we not? Mm -hmm. So some of that could be hesitance in us. You know, I don't I don't know the number of screens or anything, but I I also heard I'm curious if you in your research, you um, had this that there was talk of a post pandemic theatrical release. Yeah, I I read that. And I don't I if if I had to guess. And this kind of goes with the production and the cast as well. This was getting some award buzz. It didn't end up getting nominated for Oscars, unfortunately. And I believe, and again, I'm just filling in gaps here, playing a little mad mad lips. But I believe that if it did get nominated, they probably would have had that momentum to do that theater run. Maybe they still will, but I hate awards. Um, I don't, for a lot of reasons, we don't have to get into that that's That's a whole podcast worth of of our complex feelings, I'm <laughs> sure. Not knowing what yours are specifically, I certainly have some as well. But um, yeah, I think award seasons and particularly this one are not necessarily reflective of great work and certainly not all the great work that has happened. So I'm glad to be on this platform to be able to give some shout outs and accolades, to, <laughs> even though we're not fancy. For sure, for sure. and. You know, if you get an Oscar nomination, even if it's for one thing, so many more eyes look at your film, which is, again, unfair. But, hey, I was really rooting for some of the actors or the director or a lot, anyone in this movie, really. And it didn't end up happening. But if we can get, like, one or two more people to watch this film, I think we've, uh, you know, done our job here on High School Slumber Party AP. But that's going to, I think that's going to be the prevailing theme, more or less. Yeah. So you mentioned her name, uh, Eliza Hitman, the director here. Yeah. Were you familiar with her at all? No, I, uh, yeah, this has just all been um, an onion. I've just, I'm partway through the layers now. Um, certainly I looked up on IMDb to see kind of, you know, what else she had done and um, explored that a little bit. It, it looks as if she directed a couple episodes of 13 Reasons Why, which mm-hmm. Again, another podcast worth of of perhaps why I don't believe things were handled necessarily great on all of that, the the Netflix illustration of that um, piece. However, a great entry point for Netflix for this type, this genre, you know, it, it, it tracks for me that that, that would have been something that um, she probably, probably, now I'm just speculating wildly, added some grounding to honestly 
um, based on this work and looking forward to the future, really. Like you say, if, if there had been more um, recognition, we might see something more from her sooner. That's, it's just an unfair game um, that way. But my hope is that enough critical acclaim, et cetera, and, and we'll be able to see more from her because this is absolutely a voice that I, that I would like to hear more from. And I think uh, we need, all need to hear more from. I, I 100% agree. I was confused why I hadn't heard her name when I first watched this movie. And um, she's directed two other films, It Felt Like Love and Beach Rats, which I'd never heard of. Now I really want to watch. And uh, Beach Rats was screened at Sundance. So was this. It actually won uh, an award at Sundance. Great. Dramatic Special Jury Award for Neorealism. I don't know what that means, but it sounds good. Uh, but it won the uh, the Silver Bear at Berlin Film Festival. It was nominated for the Golden Bear. Very prestigious, obviously. And Sidney Flanagan, the star, not was nominated and won for so many of those little, and I'm using air quotes, but like critical awards, like Boston Critical Society, New York Critical Society, you know? So I think the people who are really watching film saw this movie and were like, wow, this is on a lot of top 10 lists. I think IndieWire had this at number two for 2020. It it got the accolades in certain circles, but definitely wasn't, wasn't too mainstream. Another reason that I read that potentially, you know, a lot of studios are still staying away from like really wide releasing abortion stories they don't want the protest they don't want the bad publicity and when we talk about the rotten tomato score you'll see that that actually is a factor with this oh interesting i know we're like slowly getting into it but obvious child is a favorite movie of mine you know not top three but certainly maybe top 25 Mm -hmm. i I really liked it i've seen it a few times i've uh, suggested to other people we covered it on the contenders and i feel like this is a great counterpart in that there is a scene in obvious child where the character played by gabby hoffman because that's that's an um that's an abortion at you know late 20s mm-hmm. right it's a decade later in in life than than this one and the gabby hoffman character in that film um, had had an abortion as a teen and someone asked how you know did you ever regret it? Did you ever this? And she said, no, when I think about it, I'm just sad for my little teenage self. Oh, yeah. And that always really resonated with me. And so I just felt like when I was watching this, that that this could have easily been like that story that oh, yeah. is alluded to, but we don't see. I certainly have things to say about, you know, medical stuff and women and rights and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> I, I'm glad I have you here with me because you're definitely more qualified to speak on most of the mm. stuff than I am. I wanted to ask another cast question real quick. Yeah, sure. Not another a cast question. You mentioned uh, Sydney, who plays Autumn, the main character. Yes. Yes. But then um, Talia, what yeah, is her Ta- last name? Talia Ryder. Talia Ryder, I felt was equally as good. Oh, and, yeah. and their chemistry together, that's where some of the most quietly devastating moments are. Um, so I was just curious if you had seen either of them in your previous watching of things, or is there buzz for her as well? Because I think she just did a tremendous job. Well, I, I thought, not that she stole the screen because I thought uh, Sydney Flanagan was so great, but I was so drawn by Talia Ryder's performance the first time I watched it. And a little background on the two of them. 
Um, so Sydney Flanagan, she such an interesting story and such an interesting find. So the director's partner was shooting a movie up in Buffalo, a documentary about uh, juggalos, which are followers of the insane clown posse, which is, yes, yes interesting. You seem to be familiar with them. Um, <laughs> familiar with the idea. <laughs> Actually, and she met Sydney Flanagan when she was just 14. She was living in a house with her boyfriend at the time and fellow juggalos or something along those lines if i get okay. my story correct a juggalo commune apparently and eliza hitman was so drawn to her and was like hey i have a movie coming up i want you to audition and she auditioned against a hundred people and she actually won the role she didn't even think about being an actor ever she was actually a janitor at the time she was cast believe wow. it or not so uh, that's so fascinating to me. And her co-star, Talia Ryder, believe it or not, they're both born in Buffalo, New York. That's where uh, she was discovered. But Talia Ryder has such a different um, upbringing. She's like a mm. she's 18 now. So she was super young when she shot this. But she has like that classical kind of Broadway kid training. She's been yeah. in stuff since she was like a little kid. She was actually cast okay. cast in... Um, the Steven Spielberg West Side Story that's going to come out next year. I know they shot that like a, a while ago, but she's in the ensemble. I'm not, I'm not like downplaying the ensemble, FYI. No, ensemble kids out there. <laughs> I saw that on, on IMDb, and then I could look at a couple of the like uh, professional photos of her, and like, oh, she is clearly a dancer, right? In, in this, the way that she's costumed and the way mm -hmm. that they both present, I mean, just in the way that they walk and move and things like that, that was masked and i think in a in an actor's choice kind of way but when i saw pictures of her kind of in poses i was like oh yeah okay she's got so they they both have music sort of running through them in one way or another right so autumn the main character we hear sing in the movie twice my understanding is she's also a singer in real life yeah yeah, so she's a musician. That was like okay. that was her dream. I think she, you know, dropped out of school along with being a juggalo. Yes, apparently. <laughs> and so and, many dreams coming true. <laughs> so and they're both like you know you're right. They both have this kind of musical passion, but they both come from such different, I guess, acting styles. But they mesh so well, and their chemistry is so good. And to so be clear, uh, so Autumn Sydney Flanagan. Her cousin is Skylar, which is Talia Ryder. And I'm someone who's... Skylar, thank you. I feel like they don't say that out loud very no, often. No, I, so I had to I look that up. <laughs> I could, thank you for looking at it. I can remember. I'm like really close with my cousins. So I love seeing like cousin stories and stuff like that. And they're like best friend cousins, which is yeah. awesome to see. Just before we get into maybe if there was anyone else who stood out to you in the cast, just wanted to acknowledge the... Uh, cinematographer and if i'm butchering her name i apologize but helene louvart louvart she's french i thought she did a great job here too like i love the look of this film it's so natural so real like this movie's an hour and 40 minutes and it's intense intense but also it did not drag i was just watching the entire time like i i don't know i i don't the language of the camera i guess just drew me in in that way if that makes sense absolutely i think the I would agree the one difference and something I don't think we've talked about yet is I 
um, as a human, get extremely motion sick. Oh. Um, and so about 10 minutes in, I um, took a break and took half a Dramamine. Wow. So that I could wash it without, because I just wasn't sure. And this happens a lot with, um, you can ask Tobin, but um, particularly with small independent movies For sure. are tend to be shot. Not always, because also like there are a couple of born movies that I can't watch without um, medication as well. But I would have been fine. This would not have made me vomit, but it would have given me a headache for sure. So I had to take Dramamine. And so then it kind of took me a few more minutes to get back in. But absolutely, I agree. I I wasn't disappointed when it ended because like you're saying, it's a lot, it's intense, it's tragic. But I was so in with the two of them that I would have probably watched if they if the bus ride home had continued you know what i mean like oh yeah i would have gone on another journey with them if if that had been an option so i i think that speaks to both the cinematographer and i think the director that way i think there's um a tremendous amount of show don't tell Mm -hmm. utilized in this movie i think were i to be my brother and teaching classes about it like i might use it for an example of that good call definitely a good call there any other uh, actors who really stuck out to you? If you haven't caught on by now, listeners out there, this is not what I would call like a very known cast, mostly unknowns here. Yes and no, because I don't know her name, but I did. Um, the woman who played the role of the counselor at the second Planned Parenthood, so the third clinic they got to, you know, that job is probably the closest to you know, the type of work that I have done as an mm. advocate for folks who experience violence. And so the way that she asked questions really piqued my spidey senses a little bit. And I don't know, I don't know if that woman really does that work or if they got that script from someone, but the way that she presented the questions, presented the options, presented herself as support, and that's it felt very true to life and i thought she just did a spectacular job finally being <laughs> a helpful grown-up <laughs> you're giving me goosebumps because actually kelly chapman was actually someone who the director met while researching the film and was actually a, a social worker or, or whatever um I don't, I don't know if she necessarily worked for planned parenthood but she had that role in some organization and yeah. the director's like you're perfect for this i just need you to do this same thing you just with this have person. to do your job so yeah no now i have goosebumps i i'm i'm glad to hear that because it felt so authentic to me and of course like that is not everyone's role but the idea of and this is why i have the job i have now but like the idea that for young people, whether in this case, high school, in my case, college, that, you know, have experienced something that they shouldn't have had to go through. Having someone that is confidential, that is knowledgeable, and is there to support whatever route that person needs to take is just so vitally important. And so I'm glad that that was highlighted. I'm glad that it was done in in an authentic way. And then this gets us more into the movie itself, but the way that that was shot, just straight on Mm -hmm. of Sydney for the whole list of questions, like that, I think that for me, that was the most intense part. And just, I'm just quietly sobbing and not breathing during the whole thing because you're seeing her realize 
a whole set of things that, and, and a whole set of ways that other people have let her down. Absolutely. And we get our title from that oh. sequence as well. So, Oh my gosh. So that's something I, to be honest, I wasn't paying attention um, when you told me the title um, because I knew it was a few different words for an occurrence, mm-hmm. but the min- but then I watched the trailer. And so like, the minute I realized what it was about, I knew what that scale was. Oh, wow. And so that was my clue of like what I was getting into. And this might not be the right time. So you tell me and I'll do it later. But uh, safety questions in general are something that medical providers didn't used to ask everyone. I don't know if, if you've noticed this because in the last, let's say, 10 years, even at general appointments, right, follow-ups for a sinus infection or what have you, I get asked by a medical assistant if, if I feel safe at home, if anyone is um, asked me, made me do something I didn't want to do. Like there's a set of safety questions that are asked no matter what you come in for. Interesting. Which is so important. But it's so important that we ask everyone. Um, and I've talked to nurses about this. Um, and maybe you have as well. <laughs> be interested to hear in your household. Um, it's so important we ask everyone, including male identified folks and, and anyone who um, identifies beyond the binary as well, but there are times when male identified folks have not realized maybe that there is an incident in the past or that some type of relationship previously was not okay. And it's not until someone was asking just general safety questions and explaining that you have autonomy to your own body and those kind of things that that people have realized oh something has happened and and now i'm able to get some you know whatever treatment or processing help they can get and so for that i'm just i'm just yay thanks more safety questions the more that we can infuse those moments that are private you know between doctors and nurses whoever else and patients with that confidentiality and with that, you can ask any question here. I think the more we'll be able to help people and then hopefully be able to prevent violence on the other side, right? There's a there's a component of response that also helps us with prevention. And now I get off my soapbox and we can get back to the movie. No, I mean, <laughs> soapbox away. This is a soapbox film, I, I would say so. So my wife is a uh, nurse practitioner. She works in mm-hmm. labor and delivery and she works... Uh, you know, in, in women's health. And uh, this is something, you know, she asks and that her colleagues ask as well and has said it's very tough because usually there's someone else there. And even if they're not there, if they're in the other room, it yeah. makes things very, very hard. But for me, watching this film personally, this is not something, you know, in my, you know, uh, upbringing or uh, upbringing is a bad word for it, but just in, in the education of me where mm-hmm. I guess it was talked about a lot. And I, when I say I loved watching this movie, I'm, again, I'm not saying I was enjoying that, certain aspects of it, but it was so awesome just to, I learned a lot, I guess is my point. I learned a lot watching this film and, you know, stunned the first time I saw it with some of these things. I'm like, that's real? I looked it up and was like, oh my God, this is, and this film educates, especially for, uh, you know, someone like me, but it doesn't educate in an after-school special kind of way. It educates in the this-is-real kind of way. I was like, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah, this is, I think, the how difficult each step was. Again, the, that quietly devastating, whoever 
came up with that phrase. I now it's in my head. I can't think of a better one, but certainly everything is so difficult for them at each step. And they're, tr they're trying to do, you know, the best that they can. And they're also children. And it's just so I'm, I'm so upset that it's still so difficult in the film. It's 2020. It shouldn't be that difficult to get the medical care that, that you want and that you deserve. And that was, uh, you know, I was stunned by that aspect. There was another film of 2020 um, called Unpregnant, which is also on HBO Max. Um, it's on our list. And it actually de deals with a lot of the same things, but more in a humorous butter buddy okay. comedy way, which was great in its own way, too. But I, again, I watched both those for the series and learned about, you know, the states that allow certain things and the states that don't. And surprisingly... Yeah. What Autumn encounters in this film is a common thing in a, a lot of states. Um, so in Unpregnant, I forgot, I think they live in Missouri and they have to drive to Arizona. Yeah. This is not as far, but again, these are teenagers and they feel very much like teenagers. Yes. This isn't uh, one of those movies where like, ooh, look at that hot 25-year-old dude who's playing the 17-year-old, you know? No. Oh. These, they very much feel like yeah. kids who just have to be adults in these certain situations, especially yeah. with most of the adults around them, unfortunately. Uh, so, I mean, why don't we start talking about, uh, <laughs> it's hard to say favorite moments, but just like moments yeah. that really stuck out here. And let's sure. start with, I guess, this first act of when Autumn is still in Pennsylvania and she's learning that she's pregnant or she has an idea that she's pregnant. And before she has to, she's forced to take this trip New York City. What were some of the things that stuck out to you, I guess, in the, in the hometown? Sure. Oh, I, this is um, the first time that I have seen a pregnancy crisis center, which is not a medical care facility, but they are, there are a lot of places. They're everywhere. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, ha I had no idea that this was a thing until I saw this. It's, movie. it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a thing. Well, and I'm sure again, your, your wife, um, I'm sure knows so much more than I do. So I, I don't um, want to pretend to be an expert. However, working on a college campus um, where a lot of times different people come to campus and advertise what services they provide and, and et cetera, we've had representatives from these kinds of organizations come and tell lies about what Planned Parenthood does, oh, wow. for example. And then in this film, I was, I was so impressed with how it would be easy and I could see in another film to really like demonize that place. It's just presented straightforward in the way that it exists in reality, which is they, they do not have medical, the correct medical information. They do not provide equal options, mm. right? They're not saying here are your choices. It is your choice to make. They're manipulative and filled with misinformation. Like they straight out lied and that's what they do. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I know this is a lot to take in, but I'm sure once you have that beautiful baby in your arms, you'll forget you ever had any doubts. I know these things, I'm a mother. I just can't imagine that myself. Well, there are many wonderful people who want children and can't have them. 
We can connect you to an adoption agency. I just don't know what I want to do right now. Are you abortion-minded? Is that a possibility? Do you have a minute? Could I show you something? The video you're about to see unmasks the terrible proof that abortion is an act of violence which kills a baby. Um, and so I was, I was sort of shocked to see that play out the way it did because I'm not used to seeing that represented. I know that it's true and I've heard heartbreaking stories of, of people who, who that was their only option. And we don't, we don't have to get into that, but um, certainly I was struck by the reality of that place. The other thing that really impressed me in the first bit is that it wasn't about the guy at all. Yeah. Right. There is, there is a, a young man in a restaurant that she throws a glass of water at, but it's not clear to me if that was a person she was in relationship with or not. I also was not clear on whether or not there was sexual abuse in the house. And I don't know what your thought about that is. I think there were hints of it. I Again, I don't think it's clear. There were I, red flags. The way they capture the dad and just the stuff he's doing, you're like, you just feel uneasy looking at him. Um, yes. I'm Again, I don't know what it is. It could be sexual abuse in the house. Maybe there's something else. Maybe it's even towards the mother or... We don't know, you know? We don't know. I don't think you could watch this movie and not feel uneasy about the father. Yeah, good point. Uh, what what in that hometown, you know, first first act struck you? Well, I mean, just to, you know, reiterate your point on that pregnancy crisis center. Again, I just could, I couldn't believe that that existed. But I, you said something really, really great that I think encapsulates this entire film. They don't have to highlight anything they don't need to embellish anything mm-hmm. they have a story they want to tell and all they have to do is shine the light on the story yeah. they there's don't... no mustache twirling yes yes exactly there's no mustache twirling there's none of that there's no again like you said there's no focus on the guy we don't see this like we learn he's a dirtbag whoever yeah the dude is but we don't see that necessarily happening. We don't learn why the dad, why we feel the dad is creepy. We're just viewing this, what, 48 hours, 72 hours through their lens. And I just thought that, you know, that's such an effective way, at least for me, to learn about something. Because does this movie have an agenda? Of course it does. But it's an agenda, like I said, that's just, we can just see by shining that light rather than, you know, having a musical, yeah. sing and dance. Not to Absolutely, yeah. Telling telling the truth in a simple and succinct way is more demonstrative than I think if they had. Although the musical version of this movie, I would absolutely watch because <laughs> I'll watch the musical of anything. But uh, I think you're right. The point the point comes across loud and clear in the quiet. Again, like it's this tiny story, but it's also so universal that. It's hard to recommend because it is so intense. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely worth it. I agree. It's I agree. similar to Nomadland, which is what I just watched for Contenders. And so it has been a heavy couple of weeks in my <laughs> podcast land. So, well, we'll get, we'll get to what's happening next at the end. 
<laughs> Maybe you needed the prom. Maybe you needed it. Maybe, exactly. And I thank you for that homework. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so in this first act or so as well, another thing that I was drawn into were uh, the scenes of them working at the supermarket. <laughs> yes. My father owned supermarkets. I spent my teenage years working in supermarkets. So I was drawn back to that. You could fill in the gaps a lot in this movie, right? Like yeah. these two cousins, they're be- best friends. They applied for the job together. They try to get the same shifts. You know what I mean? And yeah, or one of them gets the job and then they, yeah. they like vouches for the other. I felt that very kind of cousiny back and forth for a sure. little bit with them. Um, but yeah, as certainly. And and again, it show don't tell. We don't see them, you know, uh, gossiping together or, at the, you know, I mean, there's just... Mm, because we're walking in on them when they are close, when that relationship is so deep, it just is clear they don't have to tell us. You know, no, like exactly. I just feel like there's no signposts in this movie of like they are best friends and this guy is terrible. It's it's all just shown in really subtle. And there's also I didn't like a lot of times without dialogue for this short of a movie. I felt like maybe not. No, I agree, and it's weird. It's not weird implies I don't know. It's there's just striking, striking. Yes, better word for it. They just had such good chemistry, and they also felt like maybe because of their age too, but they just felt like they were teens who yeah. had previous relationship. They were awkward, but in, in that but comfortable. Yeah, yeah, comfortable. Great, great word for that. So to sidetrack. Um, when you were a teen in the grocery store, one, is there a hierarchy of like after school jobs? Is it like beggar and then checker and then something else? Did you have a favorite role? Oh, that's a good question. So yes, there's definitely that hierarchy, but you said it like beggar, uh, cashier, mm-hmm. working in the aisles, manager, you know. Gotcha. Um, did I have a favorite role? Not really. It was one of those things that since my father owned it, that I was just very like against going there and against being sure. there. So, yeah. I mean, I liked bagging because, you know, on Sundays you made a lot of tips and that was fun. <laughs> when oh, I, nice. When okay. I was like real, not really young, like a freshman. But eventually, you know, I worked in the office, counted money, tabulated yeah. things. You know? <laughs> so not that interesting, not that fun. Just a little bit of background. She, after she going to the pregnancy crisis center, she can't get the abortion in Pennsylvania. She can technically, but they'll tell her parents, and she does not obviously does not want her parents to know. So she realizes she needs to go to New York. Again, beautiful moment when she tells her cousin about it. Originally, she's like, "Oh, I'm on my period," blah blah blah. But like a day later, she tells her cousin the truth, and her cousin's just like, "Let's do." She doesn't say, "Let's she's do got this." A plan. There's not this, right like, in the mo- same way that she doesn't say. Where can I get an abortion? Like all that is we're watching the Google search. Like mm-hmm. it's so it's so tiny and intimate. They they truly don't tell us anything in this movie. <laughs> no, but it's not hard to, you know, figure out exactly what's going on in in the scenes. Yeah. So there's the moment where they know they need money to go to New York, so they're just stealing it from the register. They see the camera there. And again, I remember being the person who had to count the registers after the cashiers did that. So that's why I was yeah. I was brought back into that. But at that point, it doesn't matter. They know they're getting fired because the camera's watching them. They know there's a good chance they're not coming back. By the way, that manager, another super creepy person. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So there is <laughs> not only is the 
father or stepfather. I wasn't sure. Super creepy and and seems inappropriate to me. Seemed inappropriately sexual with everyone. And then their manager is sexually harassing them when they t- put the money bags through to his office because they're in a different room. He grabs their hands and kisses their hands Oof. every time. So weird. And so if I if you think about that as I do, <laughs> in terms of a predator, right? I'm thinking of, okay, what, what did that start as? Mm. And what does that turn into? Because that kind of behavior escalates. So that's not that person's end game. That's what he's, you know, grooming them to tolerate. And then what else is he doing to other people is also what my thought was. Is that guy the guy that they talk to? Is that the same person? Do you know what I'm trying to say? The person who kisses oh, their hands, I think we so. don't see. But then they walk into his office to ask to go home. I assumed and it he was, tells yeah. them no. Okay. I thought so too. I just wasn't for sure if they were the same. No, I thought he was. And then like when, when they want to go home or whatever, uh, what is it? He's like, oh, but I'll miss you if you're not here for the other two hours. Oof. So gross. Oof. And the customer, right? Oh, There's yeah. customer also is inappropriate with so there's just this is what this is what i mean when i say that this story is not everyone's story but i i would be hard pressed to find a a young person particularly a young woman who hadn't had at least one super uncomfortable moment like that where this woman is at work this young woman this child this teenager is at work trying to be friendly trying to get through their shift and this creepster is trying to get her to go to his house Oof. like what the fuck um Oof. so yeah i mean there's just multiple there's just harassment everywhere <laughs> in the world and this movie has captured a lot of it <laughs> yeah yeah the other uh moment before they hop on a bus to new york that or set of moments we'll say that i was really like just oh my god watching it was when she doesn't know she, you know, had to basically get an abortion, what to do. She looks up how to do, have an abortion at home. And you yeah. see subtle things first, like drinking beer or whatever. Uh, she's drinking beer with her family, which... Which her mother hands her. Which her mother hands her, but yeah. you, you could tell, like, oh, I, you know, this is part of the process. But then she starts yeah. drinking some medication or whatever. Yeah, I think it was vitamin C. Oh, okay. That's what I thought it was, that if you ingest enough vitamin C... Oof. It will do something. I, I I don't know because I don't think any of that stuff is like none of it's a good idea, right? Any sort of self harm that way. But yeah, I mean that was yeah when yes. she, when she's like punching her stomach. Oof, oof. Like you can't, you know, you can't just casually watch that scene. No, it's really really hard. And and I think just illustrates her desperation. That's not, that's not something, that's not anyone's plan A. That's not what anyone, you know, wakes up and says they want to do that day. It's not what anyone says when I grow up, I want to X. Like that's, this is desperate times. And while it's, I think always, I don't say always about anything, but while there's often um, some sadness and some, you know, uh, tragedy around um, you know, losing a pregnancy, of course, it's also just, I don't know, it just really illustrated the the desperation for me and just made it so 
great word visceral visceral you know desperation if there is like a uh like a word search for this movie we're coming up with a lot of good ones because yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) we promise watch it it's it's good like it's (laughs) it's so good but it's not fun yeah great way to put it let's talk about what becomes like such an important part of this story and it's that uh just new york and such and and you know starting with that journey to new york city uh when they get on that bus one of the things i wrote down in my notes is just you can feel the winter of the of these scenes and of the shots that i think was so amazing just like from their coats and just the barren landscape not barren but you know what i mean yeah. the, no leaves on the sort trees desolate desolate yeah, yeah. And that, I think, speaks like, you know, maybe I'm thinking too much about this, but I think you mentioned desperation and winter feels like such a, a desperation time, a desperate mm-hmm. time that uh, like the shot work and the scenery is mirrored in, ha- in her feelings. Mm-hmm. The bus is also where we meet and his name's Jasper, that, that dude. There's always a dude. <laughs> He's played by a French Canadian actor named Theodore. Pellerin, apologies if I mispronounce your name, Theodore. This is a character that I really wanted to ask you about. I was very <laughs> curious what you thought about him, his motivations. Yeah, Bobo Justin Long. Um, he, <laughs> he looks like a French Canadian version of Justin Long. Um, yeah. So again, in my head, I'm clocking the various harassment sort of things and invasions of space and all that. And so you know we're we're aware of a lot already. And then they get on a bus to go do this thing that again, no one wakes up and says, you know what I think would be fun this weekend, you know? Um, So they're, they're on this journey, this have to journey. It's not a want to journey. And then random dude is in their business. Do you know what time this bus gets in? I don't know, like 2 PM. That's what I thought actually. Cool. Going to New York? Yeah. Freaking love New York. It's kind of my favorite city. Yeah, us too. Philly's cool and all, you know, it's definitely got history. But New York, like, I think because of the way the city's set up and everything, you're forced to interact with people who are just nothing like you. Kind of like this bus. That's funny. What are you doing there? Seeing family and stuff. Well, I mean, I know you'll be pretty busy and all, but, um... By any chance, do your girls like live music? Oh, we're probably gonna be, um, pretty busy. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Sorry. Well, if you give me your number, I'll text you the info. Maybe you'll change your mind. Yeah, let me give you my number. Give me your number. Like, she was not interested. She mm-hmm. does does not want that. And in fact, I thought she gave a fake number, honestly. That's what I, I thought we were led to believe. And that's what I would have done. Oh, shoot. I wish I had them. There were, um, when I was in grad school in the college town I was in, there was a number that was adver- was advertised in, like, advertised bathroom stalls and things where if you um texted that number it would text you back a feminist quote oh wow and so that's 
that's the fake number we would give out if we ever wanted to. That's fun. Then the return text would be like a bell hooks quote or an Audre Lorde quote or anyway. Um, <laughs> fun times with nerdy, nerdy feminists. <laughs> so my first, my initial Jasper is the name of his character. I assumed he was going to be trouble and it turns out he was, and they also needed his help because they ran like it was much more expensive the pregnancy crisis center lied to her about how far along she was and so she needed a different procedure it took two days um or you know it had two components and was more expensive so they needed like 120 dollars. i mean that's a lot i feel like to ask a stranger for and in order to get it skylar had to feign interest and then at least make out with him we don't see all of it so in terms of like the exchange we don't know details like much of this movie which is fine but like i don't know how to describe it other than transactional i was so fascinated by this character because of the fact that yes i mean he's not a good guy but they don't let's let's borrow this again the mustache twirling, right? He wasn't a mustache twirling evil guy. So many other films would play it that way. Yeah. Where it's just like, oh, this is a bad dude, right? But I, I feel like this is someone who his friends and family make excuses for, if that makes sense, sure. right? Like He's opportunistic, for sure. Oh, he didn't know how young they were. They told him they were 20. Oh, you know, he just took them bowling, stuff like that. By the way, I'm not making these defenses. No, I know, I know. (laughs) But you never see characters like that, where they're just... Anyone watching knows this is not a good dude. He's like, oh, you know, I can give you the money, but come back to my apartment, you know, stuff like that. But they're also... they could. It's about the notes they don't play, like jazz, right? They could really (laughs) hit it on the hammer, like, and really, really, really... Be like, this is an evil yeah. dude, but they don't need to do that here. And no, it's yeah. part of the beauty of this film. In that sense, this is like the jazziest movie ever, because <laughs> to me, it's all about the notes they don't play. That's a really great way to think of it. Oh, man. So other things I want to discuss about like just the whole New York section of the film, <laughs> J- just to go from their small town to the big city. I live in New York. Port Authority is the absolute worst place in the world for a lot of reasons um and that's where they uh come in on the bus or whatever and they spend a lot of the movie there and it looks like it was actually shot there just a gross place um and the fact that they are in this big city don't know where to go really how to take the subway they're asking the dude at the uh i don't know what you call that guy the guy behind the glass at the train station yeah like the ticket taker concierge kind of and he's just like kind of rudely brushing them off because he sees hundreds of people a day you know he's not trained in those questions that you were saying yeah he's not there to hold anyone's hands no yeah and they're high school students they're used to you know having directions being told that was the Mm. the other piece um then that I'm, i'm getting ahead of it a little bit but thinking about the counselor at the second planned parenthood when she says we have volunteers and and again, in in this work, I can't tell you the number of times that people decline something. Wow. They don't want to be in the way. They don't want to take, they don't want to be a burden. They don't want to take something away from someone else, like all this kind of stuff. And and it's just too bad. 
that we, so many of us are sort of conditioned not to take any help. And I understand it, I think probably like culturally with, you know, these two young working class young women, like, you know, the, the culture probably is to decline help. Mm-hmm. But I was just, you know, in my version of the movie, they would come to my house overnight. Oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there could have, there could have been. If, ah. So, yeah, connecting people to services is, again, a whole other podcast. But, um, but I just wished for them that they were open to that because I was so worried of what the city to two people who are not from there would be like with their giant old suitcase oh my goodness why did they bring that i don't know the whole time i was like because they're 17 they don't know any different i i saw it as like you know when you're like five and you're like i'm running away from home and you pack that bag for whatever reason there was like that aspect of it And, and when you say like overnight too it's insane and you see it on them that they stay up an entire night and more. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll nap here or there, but Port Authority is not a place you want to sleep. The subway certainly is not a place you want to sleep. There's an unfortunate incident on the subway um, with another, you know, sexually... Uh, her, what is that? Sexual? That's not sexual harassment. I mean, it is sexual harassment. It is sexual harassment, but it's indecent exposure. Indecent exposure. Yes, I was looking for the the correct term. And yeah, unfortunately, that is something that happens far too often on the subway. It happened to my aunt about a month ago. Oh, you know gosh, that same ex- that same exact thing, and it, it's terrible. But you know, my aunt is a forty year old person. Could you yeah. could you imagine being seventeen, not really being in the city? I don't know if they seem like the type of family that goes in to see plays, but maybe they went into the city to see. Right, maybe uh, there was a school trip to go see cats or whatever there is. Sometimes for sure, right? something along those lines. But they definitely are not city savvy. I grew up fifteen twenty minutes outside Manhattan. I used to take the bus to Port Authority mm-hmm. in high school, and I hardly knew the city. You know, yeah. my mom grew up in Manhattan, and I hardly knew the city. Could you imagine these uh, young women who have to you know transfer? to a different bus to go there. It's obviously not something they do a lot. So to have these no. things happen. And to know where like Brooklyn versus Manhattan, you know what I mean? Like that they yeah. don't know. And and that's where like the savvy of Skylar with getting us back to Jasper, the conversation about Jasper, if she was like, we can't leave here because he kept trying to get them to go downtown, to go away, but they have to be there for the appointment the next day. And the way I interpreted it was Skylar was like, at least here, like the lights are on. There are people here. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not that it's safe there, but it's safer there than to go to a second location with this dude. And so I just, that, I felt that so strongly of like, no, we can't. And she's trying to be nice and she's trying to reel him in, but she's also trying not to, you know, get taken away. And then she sort of is like, to me, that was a, one of the scariest moments was when Skylar's walking away with Jasper and they're, they look back at each other like, is this, and, is this and, the right thing to do? It's so scary. And what she's doing it for, too. They're just desperate. And she she has this unspoken but obvious love for her cousin that, you know, she's, for lack of a better word, you know, like taking a bullet for her cousin, essentially, yeah. you know. And it's just, it's so beautiful, their relationship arc, right? Because it's not, again, played with these big, loud notes. But... Right. She goes with her cousin and she doesn't ask too many questions. They have a kind of, you know, quarrel at, at one point where they're just 
kind of not getting along. But it's nothing where it's just like, okay, uh, Booksmart. It's a movie I love. We covered on this podcast. They have a huge fight in front of the entire party. Yeah. We see this a lot in teen films, this huge dramatic blow-up fight. This, what we saw here, is more accurate to probably like a fight the two cousins would have. You feel it inside, but it's not going to be yeah. like, fuck you, like yell right. loud in the entire Port Authority. I, I forgot, she might even just say, go fuck yourself, or something along those yeah, lines. She, yeah, she, I think she does say, yeah. fuck off. But. But, but she says, fuck off, but she's not, she's not yelling at it. It's like, no. Or, or you didn't get that speech. You dragged me here. We're gonna do right, this, right? You know? Exactly. Look at what I have to do for you. Like, and and my guess is they're not gonna talk about it, right? You know what I mean? When they get home, this is something they're, you know, when they're much older, when they're our age, and you know, have an extra glass of wine at some sort of family reunion that they finally say, "Hey, do you remember that trip we took?" If there's a love story in this movie, it's between them. Great way to do it. And they are devoted. And that's that's a beautiful thing. And that's also one of the things I love about teen movies is is that those friendship relationships, like you're talking about in those different examples, are often highlighted. More so, I think, than in like general adult drama or comedy stuff. And maybe I'm wrong, but it just there's so many feels in teen movies that there's opportunity for it. So and gosh, the feels in this, I tell you. Did you want to talk more about uh, the Planned Parenthood experience? I know you touched on it a lot, but I, I want to give you the floor for that because this is, <laughs> you know, that's like the big, you know, I, yeah. I guess crescendo of the film. We actually see the, what I'm led to believe is just an accurate abortion process. Sure. Again, I would just highlight the counselor who, you know, doesn't say, I'll be there with you, but says... I can stay with you if you would like. Right. And like, that's the right way to do things is to offer. And then it's not about the counselors. Right. So it's not about, Ooh, does she want to stay or not all that? But when she was there, then, you know, she was sort of touching her head and hair a little bit that, that seemed intimate, but like in just a pure kindness way. Mm. And then I don't know how much I don't, um, I have, I have been, two hospitals, four procedures, and, you know, your name, your birthday, and what you're here for is something you have to say. Oh, wow. Can you tell me your name, birth date, and what procedure you're having? Um, my name is Autumn Callahan, August 19th, 2002. And what did you just ask me? What procedure are you having? having an abortion. Do you have any questions before we start? No. Are you ready to go to sleep? So, um, and, and like, it's hard because sometimes you don't know all the words, right? So in this example, she did not know the name of the procedure she was having, which I'm sure has a specific name, right? But to her it was, I mean, it what is an abortion, but you know, like procedures have specific names. Of course. Um, so that brought up like, you know, flashbacks for me, but what a detail, what an amazing detail and how uncomfortable. And it does feel really uncomfortable because you're surrounded by medical professionals who know exactly what they're doing. The point is they need it to be said in the room so that you're giving your consent. And so in case someone had a different idea about what was going to happen next. Like in case, you know, the doctor comes in to amputate a leg or something. They're like, Oh, not this room. Yeah. Um, 
which is a silly example, but um, <laughs> but but that's I was I was so impressed with that detail. Um, I thought the way that she described them as nice enough was really a compliment in that they were not, they didn't coddle her, you know, because she was to them a patient and and she was treated with respect and she was treated as, you know, having autonomy to her choices and her body. And my hope is that that experience, that that part of it, that sort of being respected as a person who can make choices is what sticks with her even more than like kindness which there was but it you know it was it was not warm but it was respectful yeah that's that's a really good call was there anything that stuck out for you yeah i was just going to go back to what you had said at the top of the show and um just the questioning the never rarely sometimes always questioning and how that's just building um well first she's asking just general sex question how many partners have you had that that kind of stuff um, you know, last year or whatever. And then when it gets to abuse and then eventually rape. And your partner messes with your birth control or tries to get you pregnant when you don't want to be? Mm-hmm. Never. <clears throat> Rarely. Sometimes. Always. Uh, never. Okay. Your partner's threatened or frightened you? Never. Rarely. Sometimes. Always. Why are you asking me this? I want to make sure that you're safe. Your partner's threatened or frightened you. Never. Rarely. Sometimes. Always. Um, rarely? Okay. Your partner has hit you, slapped you, or physically hurt you. Never. Rarely, sometimes, always. Has your partner ever hit you, slapped you, or physically hurt you? Is someone hurting you? It's okay. It's just a couple more questions, all right? Your partners made you have sex when you didn't want to. Never. Rarely. Sometimes. Always. It's okay. sure you're safe and I want to help you if I can. I have just one more question for you, okay, Autumn? Has anyone forced you into a sexual act ever in your lifetime, yes or no? Uh, yeah. Okay. Do you want to tell me about it? No, no. It's okay. I'm going to give you my number, and you can call me. We don't have to talk about it today, but you can call me if you need to talk or if you need some help, okay? The way it builds to that, it doesn't build to that with like a crescendo of music. I know I keep hitting this, but uh, it's like the big part of the making of this film and just the mechanics behind it. Just there's no, you know, loud music. There's no change in 
like camera angle, as you said. Right. Or, they don't zoom in. Yeah. It's not like oh my god, like that that kind of way. It's just you know you you feel like you could walk into this room and be heartbroken every day. Absolutely. And I think yes, absolutely. And and folks who are doing this fantastic work, you know, are hopefully um, taking care of themselves. So there's a concept that I, I'm sure your household is familiar with called vicarious trauma. That's, you know, has to do with being around for sure. Other people that are in a state of emergency or have experienced um, violence or other things that they shouldn't where, you know, folks in helping professions that is often a, a, you know, linked to burnout or, you know, kind of makes the shelf life of, let's say, an advocate or, or counselor in that way, sometimes short because it's really difficult to do that all the time. And so that's where, like, your self-care practices, your boundaries, right? You can't take every 17-year-old home that comes in. So I think what they showed was it was a nice portrayal of caring for the person in front of you and doing your best for them and then moving on to the next thing, which is, you know what what you have to do yeah i mean i i uh i'm friends with a lot of nurses and doctors um it's it's amazing you just have to have a really different kind of you know you have to have a thick skin in that profession and that extends and to some gallows humor of course oh, and oh, oh, some oh. more than some <laughs> copious drinking pending <laughs> again um. more than some <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, it's something, uh, you know, when you brought that up, we dealt with that a lot uh, last year in the early days of COVID here in New York, when you couldn't even get into emergency room and people were dying in emergency rooms and the healthcare professionals just did not know what to do. And they felt so helpless because it just what that wasn't even something they were trained for. So I always uh, I always shout out my healthcare heroes here on, on this show, I'm actually, just by chance wearing my I love nurses shirt today, oh, or love a nurse awesome. today. yeah so uh you know Perfect. that and again that just doesn't extend to nurses and doctors that extends to people working in centers like Planned Parenthood that was one of my biggest takeaways from this film just like the stress and uh just the everyday lives of these people who have chosen this profession I, I just have to tip my cap to them it's it's totally amazing Agreed. uh man um, great great examples of what's going on in the world and how difficult it is for sure. And we didn't even get into like, these are white people (laughs) in terms of the young women, right? This could be a very different story with additional um, identities and, you know, cultural components added, but certainly, you know, I think it, I think there's some poverty involved in um, this particular story that was told and, yeah, it's just, it was really tough and and good. Watch it, folks. Watch it. But then take care of yourselves after you watch it. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. And you bring up a good point, Aislinn. This, this is a very, you know, on paper white story, I suppose. H- however, I don't know. We also don't know a lot of things here and details you know, you're a teenager, you're discovering yourself, who, who knows, uh, I don't know. I know, for example, and this is the actor, not the character, so I'm not making this stretch, but Sydney, Sydney Flanagan identifies as non-binary. I wonder if there was some of that in the performance as well. I, I, sure. not, not that I was looking for it, but I think just 
maybe some people who didn't watch the movie might say something along the lines of, this is just a story of two white people. Why should I care? But it's, sure. it's that's such a ridiculous thing to say in this case. I, I don't think you could watch this movie and not be affected by it. And, mm-hmm. and for everything we know and everything that we've been talking about, they communicate with us. There's mm-hmm. so much we don't know yeah. about these characters because we again, we see them for 72 hours max. And they're not telling us much. Nope. Nope. Oh, man. So heavy yeah. movie. But heavy movie. Just a movie that, again, uh, if you can't tell by now, I think we both really both uh, like yeah, enjoyed, <laughs> at least enjoyed, uh, you know, what it was telling us and what, the story that the director and the actors, and again, how good of a job they did. I can't say yeah. that enough. Really great. Now, you'd mentioned the music a couple of times. Was there um, something else? about how music is represented in this movie that we haven't talked about yet. I mean, it was a very minimalist music kind of thing, except for... So, you brought it up before. Sidney Flanagan, musician. We open with what seems to be some kind of a, a 60s, 70s themed talent show. I'm not sure. Yeah, like, yeah, I was getting like an um, early 60s vibe. Like a sock hop into Greece kind yeah. of vibe. The way they use music here is just um, a lot of singing. Not a lot. Okay, this is not the problem. But we get that karaoke scene where first the dude Jasper is singing. He's totally trying to impress them, but it's just like, ugh. Yeah, it's so sad. <laughs> but uh, when uh, Sidney Flanagan, Autumn, sings, I loved that. I did just... She was quiet the entire time for good, for good reason. I mean, right? This is it was super awkward. Even if she was just a third wheel on this date on a normal day, it would have been super awkward. No, but like her cervix is actively <laughs> dilating. Yeah, which you know induced, and I don't. It doesn't doesn't matter what when whenever like <laughs> there's a chemical or medicine that forces your body to do something it wasn't otherwise gonna do that's gonna have side effects of course like that's not gonna be great so thinking about a day where you know you were super uncomfortable and then someone made you go to karaoke with this weird stranger and your cousin who he's trying to get drunk and all that no her voice was i felt like went right along with the portrayal in that there's there's so much raw talent in it yeah. Yeah. Raw talent, and there's like two moments of real release for her in the movie. There's that, and then they share. They go back to this bakery and just share. Or no, are they going back to the same bakery? I can't remember. I was trying to figure. I out. thought it was. The, I thought it was okay. the same, and that would make sense to me. In like, they need to be next to the where the buses are. They're at a place where they could afford that they recognize. I felt like it was the same place. Okay, so let's just say it was the same place. (laughs) And they just have such a moment of joy afterwards of eating whatever they were eating. And I feel like they were kids again. You know, I feel like they could return. That's a really good point. However, when they get back on that bus, I don't know. There's a lot of movies that do this, right? Like kind of that old callback to The Graduate, like get on the bus, what's happening in my life kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And... You could start to see it way on Autumn in terms of, yay, oh, wait, I'm going back to the town where my dad's potentially abusive or something's going on there. I probably don't have a job, and if I do, it's with a creepy dude. I have a boyfriend or, or someone in my life who right, is a terrible human shitty. being. 
So, in a sense, like, the return is... And I'm with you. I could have seen more. I would have gone on the entire bus ride with them. But there's a sadness, too, in the ending as well. It's not just like, yay, abortion, victory. It's like, she still has to return to... The circumstances circumstances. that brought her to where where we found her at the beginning of the movie. Oh, man. Heavy. Heavy. It doesn't... And not having slept. I mean, that's the, the other part is I... I didn't have the same set of thoughts about that. I, I, I read it more as exhaustion and uh, what am I trying to say? It's a word and it starts with R. Not giving up, but just... Resigned? Yes, thank you. I felt I felt the... Um, our last moments with Autumn, I felt it was just resigned and exhausted i mean awards (laughs) heavy movie heavy ending but we got to do these and some may seem silly today but whatever we're we're doing it we're doing it island doing it it's your turn this week to ask the questions so i mean we'll both be answering them but you're the official question asker today love it so um brian who would you say was this movie made for audience-wise? Adults, teens, tweens, everyone? What are your- I think the people who would enjoy it a lot are people into, you know, artsy films, newer directors they haven't heard of. And then in terms of subject matter, I don't know who's necessarily into this, but everyone should see it. No, I agree. I think definitely adults, like it's not, it's not a teen romp. Again, having just watched Prom for my homework. <laughs> You know, it's very different. But yes, I, I hope adults will see it. I hope people with kids will see it. I hope people who have a lot of opinions about other people's reproductive health will see it. Because um, I, you know, gosh, I'm tired of people with opinions, but no experience in the game. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, I'm, I'm done with bystanders with opinions. Let's, let's, talk, let's talk to the people we're trying to serve. <laughs> Okay. Um, is this based on a uh, young adult fiction? No, no, definitely not. <laughs> this is a so. organic, unique story uh, written for the film. <laughs> um, I uh, agreed. I have nothing to add. Um, was there a dead teen or a dead parent? No, which is a, I don't want to say a relief. I mean, I guess it's a relief. Yeah. But it, it's a. Uh, most of these teen films we'll get to will have that, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. This one didn't. That didn't mean it wasn't devastating. Absolutely. And and I felt, again, they don't tell us a lot. Based on the tableaus we saw, I got a real stepdad vibe from him. The other two kids are so much younger. And the uh, way he talks call. about Autumn made me at least hope it was a stepfather to her. Good call. But yeah. So it's possible. Not a, that's not a dead parent, but um, but certainly a turbulent home situation. Who is most likely to succeed? Who won the movie, Brian? Uh, I, I mean, I, I have to say Autumn, right? I mean, even though she's not winning for the most part, she accomplished what she sought out to do. And she found finally, uh, well, one, she was reaffirmed with her by her cousin's support for sure. Yeah. And, you know, the lady again at the Planned Parenthood clinic, she finally found an adult in the room who was there for her. So it's a win. It's a win for sure. Uh, how about you, Aislinn? Same answer, different answer? Yeah, 
absolutely. I, I agree. Um, Autumn. And also, as we've talked so much about how, you know, we're both impressed with the actors in it too. So I think Autumn won and Sydney won in that sense. Um, how about the Wooderson Award? Is there a character you would have liked to have seen more of? It's tough because this is such an intimate story. Yeah. Is it strange to say that the two leads here, like, uh, I could have seen, not that, it, not that I have to, but I would take another scene with a, um, why am I forgetting <laughs> Talia Ryder's character? Oh, Skylar. Oh, Skylar. Yeah. Because they never say it. I would take another scene with a, the Skylar and Autumn dynamic because I loved it so much. So I guess that's my answer. Yeah, I agree. I, I don't think this movie needed anything else. That being said, a to see what Skylar's home life was like would have been interesting mm. to compare contrast, but because they not are- necessary. They are cousins, but we don't really know why. They might even be just like cousins in name only. Who knows? Sure. I think their moms are sisters. Okay. Is what I guessed the way that Skylar was like, can I call my mom? Can I call your mom? Ah, that's a good call. But that's just me guessing. Um, The Long Duck Dong Award is next. Character whose omission would make the film better. Yeah. I, I don't know. Because again, uh, I think this is one of those movies that is just so tight. I think we said this last time too, but they're both intimate stories, very different stories, but uh, both intimate stories. I don't really have an answer for this one. Uh, didn't seem like there, there wasn't like the frivolous buddy or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's just that doesn't. You're right. It's it's a tight movie. It doesn't need anything different. So as an extra credit assignment exclusive to high school slumber party ap by the way Ooh, exclusive slumber ap recommending a classic teen movie to a character in the movie what do you think so this one's weird but maybe not weird but i don't think probably not the first movie anyone's gonna think of when they think of this film but for both uh skylar and autumn i'm gonna recommend she's the man with amanda bynes because they just need to be teenagers. Just go home, watch She's the Man, and be teenagers. You live such tough couple days. Well, maybe sleep, wake up, watch She's the Man. That's my pick. I love it. Channing Tatum solves so many problems. <laughs> How about you, I Allison? love it. That's, that's great. I, I don't think I can top that. <laughs> I had a similar idea, um, which was because they've had such a rough weekend to watch something frivolous and fun. And so my version of the answer was having them watch Romy and Michelle's High School Reunion. Awesome. I, I, I like that too. So, you know, well, watch both way. those movies. Well, we have two <laughs> characters there, two movies, it works. So it's time to give this movie a grade for additional information. The Rotten Tomatoes score was for critics 99 and for f- audience 48%. So uh, I, I kind of teased this earlier in the episode. 99% yeah. by critics. I mean, yeah. And you get why. And then when you, yeah. when you see a drop off like 48% for the audience, you have to like look and see why did this happen. And I read a lot of the reviews and read a lot of articles. And there seemed to be a concerted effort when there's an abortion tale, if you will, by the Christian right or by just anti-abortion groups, pro, pro-lifers, if you will. Mm-hmm. When a movie like this comes out, they do not want these kind of movies to succeed. And they write a lot of bad reviews. How could you make a movie about killing 
babies and stuff like that. You'll see reviews like that. And think think about it, 48%. That's tough. Close to that 50%. And I know, yeah. I, I don't know if we're a 50-50 country on that issue. I don't think so. However, that's a, what do they call it? A very outspoken minority in this country. So. Absolutely. And, and that's what we know about voluntary opinions, mm. <laughs> right? Good the call. people who are going to call into the radio, the people who are going to write reviews are going to be people that have something to say. Again, like back to like among the folks setting that 48%, I'm sure are people with a lot of opinions that have not been in these circumstances or tried to navigate these systems from the position that, you know, Autumn and Skyler did. So I care less about their opinion. For sure. You know what I mean? (laughs) I, I, I could bet you that most of them didn't even watch the movie. Yeah, that's a good point. And then it's 3.9, so almost four. Which almost is four outstanding. out of five on Letterboxd. Outstanding. Okay, I was going to ask because I, f- I feel like whenever I see the letterbox, I'm like, oh, but then I remember that that's like a higher level of film nerd. As Joey taught me, <laughs> Joey yes. Lentowski, the Godfather, name drop again. Exactly. As he taught the gospel me. gospel according to Joey. <laughs> the threes is where most movies are going to be. Okay. Things that hit four are like Godfather, like the most revered things ever. Things, I see. So 3.9 that, is nothing to sneeze at. No, not at all. And, and twos are like just bad films. So we're going to be talking about things that are mostly in the threes, sure. uh, b- believe it or not. There are definitely a lot of film nerds who are pro-life. So, I mean, I, I'm guessing the demographic sway, sways differently than the more mainstream Rotten Tomatoes. However, that must have brought the score down. It could have. A little bit. Impacted it as well. And if it still hit 3.9, that's a huge endorsement. Really good point. So then it's it's, uh, your turn for your two cents then. Uh, With a letter grade using a high school standard, what would you give this movie? So that old A plus to F grade, but this was, I didn't see all the quote unquote great films of 2020. This would have been one, two, or three in my 2020 films if I did those things, if I ranked films like that. So I'm going to give this the very elusive, believe it or not, A+. Wow, that's exciting. I mean, here's the deal. I I would love to give it an A+. I think, you know, for all the reasons we've talked about. And this is only my second scored in this way film. And so there's a part of me that's hesitating to give the high prize, and yet I'm going to do it too. I'm going to agree, and I'm going to go A plus as well because Autumn deserves better. Exactly. Good, good way to put that. A pluses for Autumn. A pluses for the film. Great job. I, again, I can't speak enough about this film. You have to. You should see this film. You should see this film out there, slumbers. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, the next. Uh, award question is a little bit on the silly side but like we've said this is a heavy movie so that's okay we need we need some to infuse it with some light we're not poking fun at anything that happens in this movie um but so if there was a movie themed sleeping bag a never really sometimes always sleeping bag for your slumber party, what would it? What would that look like, Brian? Well, Aislinn, I'm going to cheat a little just because of the silliness of this question. 
but watching this movie, their lack of sleep, I'm getting them a safe hotel room and a, oh. ni- a nice hotel and a nice bed so they can sleep their nights safely. Fabulous. That's great. I love that. I don't I have nothing to add because that was spectacular. <laughs> um, next, I do have an answer for this one because uh, <laughs> I've been thinking about it today. Rent two movies, get one free. If we were going to watch Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always in a slumber party setting, if we were in the last blockbuster in the world in Bend, Oregon, (laughs) and picked up this movie, what two others would you pick out to go with it? So usually, you know, on the regular regular episodes, the non-AP classes, if you will, of High School Slumber Party, I don't even pick this, but I'm I'm, I'm excited now to be able to have my... Uh, trifecta, along with yours, of course, to Iceland. These are my two choices. So I mentioned this movie before. I think we'll cover it at some point. But it was the other abortion tale of 2020. And that's Unpregnant, also on HBO Max. Uh, definitely, again, very different tone, but mm-hmm. almost the same story. So it's it would be cool to just compare and watch both. And another film that this really reminded me of is a movie that I haven't seen since college. And that's a film called Maria Full of Grace. Have you seen it or heard of it? Oh, yes. But it's been a long time. Yeah. Tell the, tell the audience a little bit more. So it's a movie that about basically a young woman who becomes a... She's 17 as well. Ooh, I didn't realize that. I'm reading it now. Got to write that down for the high school slumber party list. Uh, mm-hmm. That's going to be another uh, interesting episode. But she is, uh, you know, unwillingly a drug mule, and we we cover her tracks similar to the way this movie is filmed, and, and just the same kind of story. But we cover her from Columbia to New York with a bag of cocaine or whatever it is, uh, cocaine inside her, and it's a very like scary, serious film that just when I was watching this, it really brought me back to watching Maria Full of Grace in college. This is not a fun slumber party, guys, but it, it's, a, it's a slumber party that we will, uh, you know, marvel in the movie making and, and cry and be like, oh my God, and other things, I suppose. So th- those are my two choices, Maria Full of Grace and Unpregnant. How about you, Island? I'm excited to hear yours. Okay. Well, I also stayed on... Th- theme a little bit and I have already mentioned Obvious Child which again is a a movie I just enjoy it's a comedy that I enjoy and it also happens to have an abortion in it right Mm -hmm. Um, which is I would say different than this movie in many ways but another story of unintentional pregnancy and then I would add to that a third unintended pregnancy movie and I would uh, rent Juno, Juno, which goes a different direction um, and goes an adoption direction, but also has like inappropriate men and like socioeconomic contrast. Like I, I think we would find more things in common than we would want to when we watch them side by side, even though Juno is a comedy. Great choices that, you know, your sleepover would be more fun than mine. <laughs> But only by a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay, Aislin, this is it's time for that special homework assignment where I, I, give, <laughs> I assign you a film that 
we covered here on High School Slumber Party without you before we started High School Slumber Party AP. Helping me get caught up on my prerequisites. Ooh, again, good words. This is why this is AP. <laughs> and this film, um, I'm not sure if it's free yet, so you might need to uh, borrow Joey's Cage Club Podcast Network Black Card to rent it. But I, I feel I need to assign it to you because this was the one somewhat teen-adjacent film that did get nominated for Oscars. And the film was really about teachers. Um, it's uh, Mads Mikkelsen in Another Round. Are you familiar with it? No. So this is a Danish film, um, but it did so incredibly well. So you're going to have to read, but this is AP. It's okay. I, I, <laughs> I, again, I you know went to college for 13 years, so I'll be okay. <laughs> It's a Danish film that's really making waves here in the U.S. Uh, we covered it at the end of the year. I love Mads Mikkelsen. And it's about a group of teachers who are pretty unhappy with their lives, and they decide to uh, drink a little bit more alcohol than they normally would during school hours, essentially, <laughs> as, a, as a science experiment. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. It uh, So this was nominated, I believe, for Best... And it's not called Best Foreign Film anymore. I think it's Best International Film. But the director was nominated as well. Um, a little I'm not going to spoil the film for you, Aislinn, but a little background on the director. Sure. Thomas Winterberg. He's a director who collaborates a lot with Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, and he, really tragic story behind this film. His daughter was supposed to be one of the high school students. It was shot in a real high school I believe her real high school, and she died two days into production in a car accident. And he powered oh through, he directed this film, and it's so, I, I don't want to tip my hand, but it's so yeah. visceral, and it's so, again, like, oh my God. In a different kind of way, definitely a different way than this, and a different subject matter. It's teachers, yeah. different, it's a different country, obviously, but I, he did such a fantastic job directing. He's nominated for Best Director. Mads Mikkelsen okay. is amazing. And if, if you don't end up liking this film, you will very much enjoy the ending. And that's all I'll say. I have not met one person <laughs> who does not enjoy the ending. And we'll leave it at that. Okay. I love it. Well, I look forward to um, completing my homework assignment. For the slumberers out there, your next homework assignment is to watch American Pie Girls Rule, one of the many straight to streaming, we used to say straight to video um, sequels in the American Pie franchise. Um, this is the most recent. And I have, you know, no idea. It's, again, I think in tone and potentially quality, it's going to be on a very different end of the spectrum than this. But I'm excited nonetheless because. I have, this is like, this movie was a nourishing bowl of, you know, vegetables with some great sauce, you know, like this, this film fed my body and now I want a donut. <laughs> so American Pie Girls really is my donut movie. Y'all can find that on Netflix. American Pie Girls Rule. I can't wait to talk this one with you, Iceland. Not because it's good, spoiler alert, but it has a kind of an interesting backstory. And when I sent you like the master list of all the movies we could cover, I was very surprised when you're like, oh, let's do this one. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but uh, well, I have uh, American Pie has a special place in my heart for a few reasons, um, which we can get into in the next episode. 
Um, but yes, I have had my eyes on the franchise um, <laughs> for a long time. So if tune I re- in. If I recall correctly, your brother had a story about American Pie once, and I can't remember what it is, but... Yeah. I, I will share his story as well. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. Uh, well, Eyes on This was awesome. This was a pleasure. I'm so glad we got to do this movie. I think, like I said for the millionth time today, this is why we're doing this podcast, to highlight these artists who make who made great films in the last couple of years, just like this one. So where can people follow you, find you, or anything else you want to say to close out today's episode of High School Slumber Party AP. Absolutely. Thank you. I, I agree. This is why one of the reasons I was excited to do this podcast was selfishly so that I would watch more of these contemporary movies. It's a it's a fun and this week difficult journey, but a fun one. Um, I am on Twitter at SassyNerdMT from time to time. And additionally, uh, if you're already a Cage Club person, or if you're not, you, you ought to be if you're a slumberer. But you can also find The Contenders at cageclub.me, which is the podcast I do with my brother Tobin about fearless women in front of and behind the camera. We're doing two episodes for April uh, covering both of the films whose female directors are nominated. So we did Nomadland um, and we're about to do Promising Young Woman. And so, yeah, feel free to tune into either of those to hear hear our thoughts and come back and listen to high school slumber party and high school slumber party ap because we're having a ball and i'm curious next time Islin, uh let me i mean i could kind of guess but i haven't seen uh those two films the two films that were nominated i'm curious once you uh see them talk about them where you think that this film we talked about today stacks up with them and maybe if there should have been some nominations for this one as well i certainly think so but again i didn't see the full palette certainly certainly for directing i i think this this film is so beautifully done thanks again island don't let the sun catch you Hey, it's Brian again from High School Slumber Party and High School Slumber Party AP. Just wanted to say a couple words and assign your homework for High School Slumber Party for this Friday. No, no, no. Just because you're in AP doesn't mean you get to skip your regular classes homework. I want you there this Friday. But before that, big thank you to Island as always. I think this series is going so well. It excites me so much. And This one was a doozy. This was a heavy movie, but hopefully you enjoyed it and think it's as good as we did. And by the way, that was the karaoke scene from the film. It just comes at such an interesting moment, such a beautiful moment. Plus, I was going to play Autumn singing 
over Jasper singing. If you saw the movie, <laughs> you totally, totally understand why. So Friday, your homework, we're starting a new series as we just ended our Gus Van Sant series last Friday. Shawnee Me did a great job with Restless. But this Friday, we have Mike Manzi. The Mikester is back. And we're talking the two Corys. Both of them in this one. He's so excited to talk this one. I'm going to be honest with you, it looks weird. The film is, and your homework is to watch, Dream a Little Dream. Bobby was just a normal teenager. Is he okay? Ask him if he wants a pop tart. Hey, kids, Until he bumped into Lainey and the Edingers. supposed to happen oh my god from him now bobby has three days to find himself that's rude mister to pass high school how's that sat man saturday afternoon test and steal his best friend's girl well maybe you're not her type i'm every girl's type or his future is history thank you for a frightening confusing strange and dangerous time what more could a girl ask for Jason Robards, Corey Feldman, Piper Laurie, Meredith Salinger, Harry Dean Stanton, Corey Haim. You were expecting maybe Freddy Krueger. Dream a little dream. So we're going to start this little mini-series on High School Slumber Party where we talk films, both of Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. And you know what? Some with both, just like Dream a Little Dream. So check that out this Friday, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, at cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hope you enjoyed this episode of High School Slumber Party AP. Fun fact, when I was looking for like theme songs and outro songs, I, I don't know, I wanted something modern, but something that related to the teenage subject so i was really drawn to this one song called 17 by sharon van etten and then this week when i'm putting it into the track i'm like wait a minute where have i seen this name she actually plays the mom in this film i was like what and she has some songs on the never rarely sometimes always soundtrack by the way to be clear she does not play the mom and dream a little dream <laughs> but yeah super cool super cool coincidence so i don't know i like when those little happy accidents happen so thank you once again so much. Remember, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop looking around once in a while, you could miss it.
still here? It's over. Go home. Go.